Hello and welcome to Last Sons of Krypton, a spooky Superman podcast. My name is Connor from the House of L, and I'm joined again by guest Rebecca. Hi. Hello. Uh, as street listeners would know, Rebecca is from my Iron Fist podcast, and she's also been on for Superman Secret Identity, Superman True Brit, and something else that I can't remember. We talked about uh, Troy. Heroes and Troy. Yes. Oh, and, and the Iliad. Yeah. Yep. The the Death of Superman, the Wake comic. Oh yeah, the yeah. One. Yeah. And wow. So, I didn't realize it'd been that many times. So. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> That's all good. So, as as I mentioned in my post, this is a bonus episode requested by a Patreon. Patreon. Uh, thanks very much to our patrons, Tasman. Uh, this is this is a Patreon who just. He made a bulk donation in a while ago, and I'm finally getting around to his request. And his request uh, was the fourth issue of Hellblazer, and I was like, "Well, why don't why don't we do the first four issues of Hellblazer?" And he's like, "Well, that works." Interesting, because I um, thought that he'd requested all four. No. So that's no, but that's in, it. Makes sense to like that you'd want to read the run up to it as well. I thought, why not? Because there's only four, you know. Yeah, so... yeah, no, for sure. And it gives you all the context and. You found a new yes. favorite comic, I think. Yeah, I, I do really like it. Um, but before we get into that, it's Superman's eighty-fifth. Happy birthday, Superman! Happy As in, birthday, Superman! It was it was his anniversary a few days ago. Um, DC's making a big deal out of the eighty-fifth. They're releasing eighty-fifth collections, and it's like mm, I guess they're trying to make money, but eighty-five. Yeah, but is you know, like, like... <laughs> you get you get upset when they don't. That's so... that's true. Well, I, I so, will look. I'll... I mean, look, it's better than Marvel who are putting out. Marvel Age 1000 to commemorate 84 years of Marvel Comics. Good lord. Okay. I well. mean, like, you know, like, so if you're saying 85 is not, like, a huge anniversary, like, 84 is certainly not, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah. I will... Okay, I'll do a bit of salt and pepper then. So... Yeah. Um, in a vacuum, ignoring Marvel and stuff, 85 is not, like, a huge milestone, and, like, I guess my my thing is more... They're releasing, like, collections of 85 years of Superman stories, but, like, they're doing that every five years since 75, so it's a bit weird. Yeah, um, it is weird. Just, just release, like, Best of Superman Volume 1, Best of Superman Volume 2. But the other thing um, is, the, the good side is, like, they are, like, promoting a lot of Superman stories that aren't Death of Superman, which I think is yeah, really cool, right. which I was complaining about a lot this year, so... You know, Which the, makes sense because they did that big 30th anniversary of mm, that, right? Am I, I'm not wrong, right? They, they I don't want to get that, it wrong yeah. while on a while on a Superman podcast. Uh, no, I meant about how many years it was. So yeah, yeah. So it was, um, like for all seasons, Kingdom Come, all these like you know cool Superman stories. No Grant Morrison action comics. It should be there. But hey, uh, <laughs> you know, there's baby steps. So I guess yeah, happy birthday, Superman. I'm not I'm not planning to do a episode on it or anything i just thought i would mention it before yeah you know we dived into something non-superman although uh, uh, superman and john meet up now and then but yeah I and mean, he's in the world he's you know yeah they know of one another yeah so this is hellblazer uh 1988 written by jamie delano and John, the arts by John Ridgway, uh, the pencils, anyway. And, yeah, so I picked up a trade paperback. They're reprinting the whole run. 
and they've been doing it for a couple of years, I think, under the Black Label. Although if you if you look up Black Label publications, it's not going to show up, but like it just has Black Label on the front. So and it's basically reprinting the whole run, and there's just like a few extra issues in each volume now, and they're not right. done yet, but I think they've got like one or two volumes left. So yeah, my friend's collecting them and gets very excited when a new one comes out. Uh, like the biggest Hellblazer fan I know, um, and I'm like, yeah. I just have digital collection of everything. <laughs> yeah. I much easier. I purchased the first <laughs> volume, which has one to nine plus two issues of Swamp Thing that he's involved in. Oh nice, nice, because that's obviously the thing that you don't get from just diving in here straight away. Yeah, so the thing is, uh well before we started I was asking Rebecca about Swamp Thing because this is a spin off from mm-hmm. Swamp Thing because John is a minor character for a couple of story arcs yep. in that, and I like I looked up, everyone's like, you can just read Hellblazer, you don't need Swamp Thing, and I mean, they're right, but uh, in this first issue, a bunch of ghosts appear, Yeah. and I was just skimming through like his first appearance in the Swamp Thing, and all these ghosts, those are people that die in his first Swamp Thing appearance. Yeah, yeah, so that's that's the connection, but I mean, like... <clears throat> I mean, I still think you can just read this. Right. But obviously, knowing where he comes from adds the extra context. Because I assumed that those ghosts, like, their deaths were going to be explained. No. We get... Uh, for here, you have the big bugbear for the first bit is Newcastle. Right. Okay. So... Yeah. Right, that's, that's, that's your mystery for a while, is what right. happened with Newcastle. Okay. Um... Well, that's a bit of a shame, because uh, I was expecting those ghosts to be explained and, like, to read those Swamp Thing issues. Like, I'd have to do a lot of reading to catch up to them, so... Or you could just read them. Yeah, I guess I because guess Swamp Thing's something I really necessarily... want to read, though. Yeah, I know, but, like, I think sometimes when people put that on themselves, it's, it's uh... Like, reading these one-off... Reading the one-off ones, or the ones where John appears doesn't mean you can't then go back and, and read the lot. But, if, yeah, you know, true. like, there's... I, I just think, like, otherwise you're putting barriers to make it harder for you to get to the comics you want to read when you want to read them. Mm. You know, like, um, they'll still be... And you'll get more from them when you read them the second time because you're reading them in the Swamp Thing yeah. timeline. Yeah. Okay, well... Swamp Thing is actually the reason I have a Constantine... Uh, Constantine too. <laughs> Oh, you can do that a lot. Uh, yeah, because uh, my tattooist, when he was doing my first tattoo, he was we were talking about comic book tattoos, and he was showing me this really great Hulk one that a friend of his had done, and he said I really want to do Swamp Thing, yeah. and I was like, there's no way you're putting Swamp Thing on me, just <laughs> isn't in terms of like I love Swamp Thing, but I just it's not my kind of tattoo. And yeah. then I was like, you know what though, you could do Constantine, so um, that's why I have. Yeah. John on my entire calf. So okay. Yes. So, Which is, that's what's funny when, when Connor was saying, do you know anyone who's a big Hellblazer fan? And I was like, well, I do have this tattoo. Yes. I'm, a, I'm not a mega fan, but I have read it all and love it, so. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that's what I, I wanted to get. Yeah, someone who was a fan of Hellblazer for this episode because obviously I'm a newcomer and you're not so yep. <clears throat> I was uh, back in the day did you like when you 
did you read Swamp Thing or Hellblazer first? Um, so I had a lot of friends who were reading Swamp Thing. I had a lot of friends reading Swamp Thing as it came out. Because um, if we're talking about, so this launched when I was 18. So if you think like my sister's age group were kind of reading Swamp Thing and sort of passing it down. So I, I wouldn't say I read every issue. I've read every issue now, but a long time ago. Um, but I was reading it sort of in bits. Right. But then they, my sister started getting Hellblazer, and I read like that. Again, in and out of college, I wasn't around all the time, so yeah. it was a bit patchy. Um, but it was always one that I knew that I loved. Okay. And then later I went back and did this like massive reread to catch up on all of it. Yeah. Um, because I, I don't think it was till like Sandman and stuff that I started really going back to reading them every month because right. you know university I had other things to be doing yeah but it was always on my radar from the minute it came out my sister was a big um she followed all the sort of um vertigo books like mm. she, I, like I had no idea like I thought it was like a bit of hellblazer and a bit of um sandman and then she admitted she also has entire runs of like all of the all of those like big famous like right say the chaining man and i was like i had no idea like i was like okay i want to come and steal all your comics one day yeah yeah cool um i mean yeah hellblaze has always been on my radar i just never got around to reading it because um like i did read uh swamp thing in part mm-hmm. i read the wen wayne run those initial I think he did 13 issues, Len Wayne, and it's pretty good. It's like a, it's really like the best thing about it's the Bernie Wrights and artwork. It's like a monster, you know, bonanza, like gothic horror. Oh, the horror. artwork uh, is absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, and then I read the following run, which is like 20 issues, so I was like, okay. And then I got up to the run right before Alan Moore. Um, right, right. But I kind of forgot, so I was like rereading Swamp Thing. Um, but yeah, so, and then I just ended up diving into Hellblazer now because of this request, so, uh, and obviously I'm like a big fan of shows like X-Files and Supernatural and the, you mm-hmm. know, quite heavily inspired I mean, there was Hellblazer. never any doubt in my mind that you wouldn't like love Hellblazer. Yeah, and I did, I did like the Constantine TV show yeah. as well, so. Yeah. Uh, which got cancelled, but like there's plenty of terrible shows that didn't get cancelled after one season yeah it's such a shame because i i think it did it really well like you know for for, given the like problems of doing hellblazer on tv yeah um i think they they struck a really good chord of like how much horror you could do but having the characters be fairly true to yeah i did laugh though because um obviously i think matt ryan's great but um when we watching the first episode uh, some of uh, a friend's friends came round. Like our, lo- our lodger's friends were round, and uh, one of them's Welsh. And like within two seconds, he said he's Welsh, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I thought he was doing a pretty good accent, but yes, he is well, in fact well. It was okay. just like it, it just amazed me how quickly he picked up on the fact that the because yeah. I really thought Matt Ryan did a great job with the accent, so. Mm. Yeah, I had no idea he was Welsh, so... Well, it just shows how, like, you know, when you're natural to the country and the accent, yeah. you can just... Fit. I mean, like, you could tell a couple of times, but, like, 
this guy just in seconds. Mm. So, but no, I really enjoyed the TV show. I think uh, given another series, it would have become actually big cult hit. And they they adapted uh, two of these mm-hmm. stories. Where doing yeah. it, they did I think a pretty good job. Um, yeah. You know, so I'll also say the covers the covers are by Dave McCain, and these covers are they're really yeah. yeah they're, they're great. Uh, and uh, colors: Lovern, Kinzerski, letters, and Harfakree, and editor Karen Berger. I just wanted to get the credits out the way, but yeah. So it's the same for issue two. So yeah, issues one and two are one story. Yeah, and uh, it's about this sort of hunger demon. Again, like lots of you know very. Uh, really grotesque art. Yeah. Perfect for the story. Reminded me a lot of a couple of Supernatural episodes as well. Um, yeah. Where, like, the Horseman Famine and uh, the, the the creature that just loves eating raw meat, you know. Yeah, yeah. And like... obviously the big the big famous Sandman issue in the diner. Um... Right. Oh, is that... Yeah, because I, I don't... I know of it, but I don't really know... Yeah, it's it's also it's all hungers. It, it sort of broadens out from just food hunger to carnal lust. Yeah, and, but yeah, it's everything. Um, but it has that right. similar kind of horror vibe and yeah uh, of some of the panels that we get here. Yeah, so it's like there's there's this demon Majar postal worker accidentally opened the box and. You know, he's just eating himself to death. But, like, these stabs, like, he wastes away. Uh, it's pretty cool. And, yeah. you know, again, this is my first... Uh, Introduction to the John. world. Yes, and, and to John. Like, as in, I've read comics with him in it, but they've been, like, much later comics. Yeah. You know, so, and I haven't read any Swamp Thing with him in it. And, yeah, it's... So how, yeah, did he... Or did you immediately like him? You... Oh yeah, he he just he seems like the guy that I was familiar with from yeah. all the other. He's stuff. really just he's really does have the that sort of brute charisma. Like yeah. even when he's just complaining all the time and doing really awful things to his friends, <laughs> you know. Um, I was surprised. I think going back to it is how political some of the sort of graffiti and stuff is. Right. And how British it feels. Yeah. Like, uh, it's, like it's almost like now in a days of everything being much more homogenous, I'm kind of like surprised at how British they made it. Um, like uh, like the, the most recent, well, not the most recent, the most recent good run of uh, Constantine um, was also very British. And I think... Maybe that is something that they can get easily get wrong with the character. Yeah, is having that very big sense of place that's very different from almost anything else in comics. Um, is one of the things that people actually like about him. It's not just that he's this kind of magician um, dealing with devils and stuff like that. It's also that there is a. It's kind of alien to the majority of comic readers. Slightly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's known, but a little bit different. It's nice reading a comic not set in America. Yeah, and know. he does pop all over the world. I mean, yeah. routinely. But um, there's just something about, you know, 
talking about like spy scandals and Thatcher mm. and you know it's just really sort of grounds it in something that you don't see uh I mean even though so many of the comic writers of this era were British yeah they they don't get let to really play in that and obviously comics now often glaze over political commentary yeah because or, right. or obvious political commentary i should say i mean like most of them touch on it in general but like not yeah yeah i mean yeah he goes to sudan in this first issue yeah so. yeah like i mean straight away he's like he's gonna and and you never you know you don't need to know how he got the money to do it how like you know how he's renting his flat none of that's important yeah he just it says it important. costs him a lot like that's... yeah well i mean like i was like i i almost choked when she when his landlady said uh that it cost her 1750 to send a parcel to america like i think that's what it would cost now yeah. like i was like that was like that was an expensive parcel in like in the 80s yeah you know so I was like, wow, this must have been one heavy uh, parcel. Oh, I like the lines. Bloody airline food, bloody rain, bloody England. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's... Um, I don't really want to try summarise it too much, because like, a lot happens. This first issue is 40 pages. Um, it's a big issue. But, um, um, but it, I mean, I guess we should touch on Gary Lester turning up. So his oh, absolutely. Oh, uh, uh, we'll, we'll touch on all of it. I just won't yeah. necessarily okay. go in order like I usually do. But uh, I really like the writing as well. The, I the said... writing is it's so good. It's so evocative and yeah. touching on poetic. And you it's know, just like, it's, a, it's like he's it's like someone's really had time to to get some of the. Not only the characterization, but the descriptions are so vivid. And sure, like, some people don't think like this, but I'll give it a pass since the writing's really good. You know, I struggle yeah, with... Yeah, I think most people don't think like that, but it's just like... But that's the whole thing about comics, is that um, unlike novels where you get sort of... You get to write from a, a standpoint outside the characters. You yeah. don't as much in comics unless you're doing sort of captions. Um, so they have to be a bit more florid in their descriptions. Yeah. You know? I mean, I because reading... you could just say, "Oh, there's a lot of bugs in my house." <laughs> it's, it's not quite as uh, as good as sudden black tide as me stomping. The the you know? one of my favourites, which I sent you, was the dirty dishes floundering in a sea of iridescent mould. You know. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, it's it's a very dirty apartment. It's gross. It's like, I hope the artist likes drawing bugs. And the syringe with the bugs inside. Oh, like that was nasty. That literally yeah. made me cringe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I read some, some reviews of this were saying it was too much reading. It's too wordy. And I'm just like, okay, go away. Stick to your other comics. That's, That's crazy, because um, like a lot of comics at the time were very wordy. But they yeah, were, and, um, but this is wordy in like a good way. You know? It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, a lot of comics can be wordy, like, they over-explain, but they do it very, it's very blocky, the way they over-explain things. Um, mm. And, but yeah, no, this is really good. Like, it, it, it just, it's weird how it took so long for comics to sort of look at, like, the writing in books and be like, oh, we should try to do it a bit more like that. We should try, like, mm -hmm. do good writing instead of really meat and potatoes I um, I think this one really works in, yeah. in a way of sort of because maybe because it's like a genre that I don't read as often as well. 
to like really put me into how horrible everything was. Well, this is also the the British wave where all the Brits came and started writing comics and made all the Americans look really bad. Um, <laughs> yes. But, yeah, because um, like... I mean it is. This is like, but they also, as somebody pointed out, brought a certain sensibility to it that didn't that then also needed to have be sort of changed. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Alan Moore was a huge part of like in terms of American comics, a huge part of you know why comics like this started existing. Yeah. Um, like you know, obviously Watchmen was the big success, but even like his DC work. Uh, oh yeah, I mean, as well. his Swamp um, Thing is just like absolutely iconic. Yeah. And so. it's all you know, like it's coming from a world where you know the eighties in Britain was was a very strange place, mm. you know, like, in terms of financially and having this massive divide between people who had money, people who didn't, strikes, AIDS, you know, like, all these things. It was a massive upheaval. Yeah. Which uh, will come up a lot in issue three. It will come up a lot <laughs> in issue three. But I think overall, you're start- that's where the British writers are coming from. There's mm. a certain anger in them. Well, look at V for Vendetta. Yeah, yeah, um, I mean, like, but you look at all of their iconic work from the time, and there's a level of anger that I don't think yeah. you see in the American writers, and it's just like, it's because everything was coming to a head there. And just the, um, you know, people would try to imitate Alan Moore, especially in stuff like Batman, and they just fail yeah. embarrassingly. Well, and, like I, and I think that's why, I think there is a certain, like, you know, we're all part of what's going on in our world, yeah. and... um and, you know, sometimes Britain and America kind of align on where they are in that kind of cycle of uh, discontent, capitalism, whatever. Mm. And sometimes they don't. And I think the 80s was very different. Yeah. Uh, it was very split. Uh, and that's why you, you see such differences. And that's why I guess it seemed like a massive breath of fresh air. Yeah. But I think what it was essentially was anger. Um, like writing out of anger and, and there's a certain um, it gives you a certain motivation to put things down on paper that and it's also like I said before about uh, feeling very unique to a place it's yeah. giving you a window onto a different thing than, and it's sort of like jolting you out of where you are a bit I guess uh, from a Superman perspective where he is in 1988 is John Byrne is writing him another British writer mm-hmm. uh, and he's writing a good run um, not, mm-hmm. It's nothing like this. Like it's not, you know, it's not poetic, or, or it's not bordering on like the poetic prose. Um, you know, it's it's he's writing it as like a Superman comic, but um, it's still good. Yeah, you know, like he's a good. Writer, I think also, but... like I guess, if you've got the Superman gig, um, unless uh, it's and you've got good stories to tell, there's less need to come in with this kind of fiery anger. Yeah. Um, well, Alan Moore know. did it. <laughs> well, <laughs> with, I mean, uh... Alan Moore is a... I don't want to say he's a very angry man, because, like, that makes it <laughs> he sound like... He seems like a very angry man, uh, in I, my opinion. I mean, but... I think... I mean, he seems... Like, Grumpy, from everything maybe. I can tell, is he's quite a sweetheart, yeah. but he has this incredible sense of, like... Um, where things aren't fair and that gets him angry. So there is a lot of anger there. Um, but yes, I, I think that's, that's the thing is like when you say somebody sounds like, oh, they're a very angry man, it, it feels like I'm saying I think he'll go and hit people. Yeah. I think he just has a lot of internal anger and sense of what's fair and what isn't. 
and and the, and he writes from that position of this is yeah. a way I can show that. So th- there's anger there, but I think I phrased it badly. Yeah. So uh, again, to reiterate, I'm coming in fresh. Uh, haven't read Swamp Thing, and uh, yeah, Gary Lester, who I assume most of these people are like the ghost was a surprise to me that they were in Swamp Thing because I assume most of these people were debuting there. I'm not sure if Gary Lester was in Swamp Thing. Well, he you'll certainly get to see him in the Newcastle stuff, so you'll you will get more right. info from him. So. Um... Um... Oh, that page of him covered in lots flies. Of, there's really lots of bugs. Oh. Uh, it's like the artist. I hope you like drawing bugs, because you're going to yeah. be drawing <laughs> bugs. And, uh, you know, we just come in and there's just uh, sort of just like racism in the background. Yes. Um, the the British boys, skinheads, mm. and, you know, being um, rude to the Pakistani who's running the is he even Pakistani or is he like Indian? I think. I mean, it doesn't. It wouldn't matter either yeah, way. They're... I mean, um, that is at the time how a lot of people characterised all. Uh, I thought corner shop. Yeah. Uh, owners, whatever their ethnicity. A lot of them would have been Pakistani. So I mean, like you know. Back but... in the day, this is coming from Grandpa. So this is like he. <laughs> this is in Scotland, probably about mm. fifty years ago. Yeah. Uh, he would go down to the Packies. Like, they just call it the Packies. And I, I assumed it was just, like, normal, you know, uh, I, d- I don't... When I was a kid, so, like, so I'm old, I should point that out, I grew up in the 70s. Yeah. Uh, which is how I was reading Hellblazer at 18. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that should have been obvious there, like, yeah, <laughs> no, I wasn't reading it as a child. Um, but, uh, when I, so I would say when I was, like, Ten, that would have been what people said, right. and then people started to sort of go, mm, "No, this isn't right." Right. You're going to the corner shop. You're going to the news agents. Um, this is not acceptable. Uh, and and not in a kind of or you know, not in a kind of oh you sh- you know this is bad. This is, it's just like no, you just shouldn't. You know they don't. Right, that's right. not a word they like being used. Okay. So maybe, and and it's more descriptive to say you're going to the newsagent or the corner yeah. shop, you know, like, um, but yeah, so I would say around when I was 10, so I'm guessing around 1980 is, is that kind of cusp. Right, of like, right. Like, uh, when things started to change. Yeah. I would say for the better, because, you know, that's not right. I certainly got called it as a kid, because I was darker skinned than some of my friends. Really? You can't tell now because I'm not particularly dark skinned. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe I've been on holiday or something. But I do remember one of my friends going and like chasing kids for calling me. Oh, uh, wow. No reason. Yeah. No reason. Like, there's like there's I, there's not a chance I look like I am in any way of South Asian ethnicity. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So he gets uh, there's twelve cans of bug spray come into play and some silk or whatever. But yeah, he's, lots of bugs. I mean, that would like... probably kill you to be honest. Um, just being sprayed by 12 cans of bug spray. Right? Well, can you imagine, like, cleaning it up afterwards, all these bugs? No, like, and you'd have to, like, oh, no, everything about this whole storyline just makes me itch. And then we get Chaz, who I is in both the film, oh, that's right, yeah. there's a film, but it's Keanu Reeves, um, and uh, <laughs> it's good, but it's like... I, like... It's a really enjoyable film, but it's not taken from the comics very much. yeah. I mean, um, you know, there's obviously there's 
taken from the comics, but it's not it's not anyone's Constantine that they know. Yeah. So. But yeah, Chaz in the show and the thing, and I thought he was black here initially, but it was just the coloring because uh, he's white. It is really on. odd coloring um, on that page. He looks yeah. yellow. Yeah, <laughs> so I was I was very confused. But he's, everyone else is very very pink, and he's kind of looked jaundiced. He's yeah. he's just white in the next <laughs> issue. Yeah. So I'm like, all right. So yeah, lots of lots of bugs. And Gary Lester's this kind of he's this junkie who John yeah. was and is one of John's childhood friends, and he is sort of ran into this kid who was looked like he was possessed by a demon, and he like did an exorcism on the kid to get, like, a high. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, it wasn't out of altruism. Oh, no. You know, uh, I think in the show, that's a change they make. I might be misremembering, but I believe in the show, Gary does it out of altruism. I so, think, yeah, I don't think it... I don't think they stress... They can stress drugs as much in uh, TV. Yeah. I think he was definitely a... He was definitely a junkie in the show, but, yeah. Yeah. Um... I think he wanted to, like, make up for Newcastle on the show. Yeah, and here he just does it because he's a junkie. And boy, the exorcism. It's really cool how they draw this uh, uh, Memnoth. Memnoth Yeah, oh, uh, again, I hope you like drawing flies. Yeah, like, these flies sort of all swarm to this, like, giant sort of fly. And, like, he exercises the kid and it just comes out of his skin. Like, it rips Mm. through his body. uh, I mean, it talks about him looking flayed, which is always nasty. And it's just really good artwork. It's it's incredible artwork, and it's funny because where I would say that I don't necessarily like how some of the people are drawn, mm. everything else I really love. And I guess some of that is because I've just got used to prettier yeah. comics. Um, like once you get into this, you don't even notice that. Like some of the sort of mm. heavy line work on the the faces, um, but everything else about it is just it's just perfect match for the type of comic it is as well. Yeah. This is grimy, very grimy, grimy, uh, scratchy. Yeah, and I, I really want to shout out the paneling as well. There's a lot of creative paneling in these right, issues. and like you don't, you think I, I forget, I forget like how now I see it as something very modern and they play with panels, but no, it's like you go back to these comics and they were yeah. doing incredible things to show what, why, you know, where the edges got fuzzy. Where you know, like where things needed to be different, mm. like things with the exorcism, with he's got his um his chain coming down the middle of that set of panels just before the exorcism starts. Yeah. Um. There's a lot of real understanding of how paneling can make things can drive a story as well. Is a. I mean, there was a couple where I found it hard to tell what order to read it. Yeah. Weirdly um, enough, I don't think it mattered. It was just I, like... Right, it, I, I agree. I don't think it mattered, but there were a couple where it was so unusual to me that I, think... I kind of was like, am I reading this in the right order? It's one of those when he meets the elder shaman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, or... yeah. So, you know, the, he's trapped this demon in the bottle and he's like kissing the bottle and he's like, I have power now, but yeah, it's it has a hold over him still. And... You know, he goes to the States and it's, he just tries to offload the problem on John, basically. Uh, send him yeah. the bottle. And, yeah, so is Chaz looking, like, <laughs> odd again, but... It's, it's real weird colouring with Chaz, but yeah. And he talked... He me- Sorry. Now he's grey. Yes. Yeah. But <laughs> he, he mentions uh, Emma 
who's dead. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, again, like, the, there's some tourists, um, asking, mm. oh, what is this place? And he goes, the British Museum, Chum Treasure House of the Empire, where we keep all the loot. So I like that. Yeah, and line. it shows that, like, in the 80s, we were also discussing, mm. you know, like, people think it's a really modern kind of, oh, you know, uh, get this stuff out of the British Museum. It was all, like, taken from the Empire. But this has been going on a long time, this discussion. Yeah. And I, I quite like that, because I think people think it is... A, people think all these things are modern. All these sensibilities are very modern, very snowflakey, mm. very woke. But they've been discussed forever because, you know, they've been an issue forever. Yeah. Maybe not by everyone, maybe not as openly, but, you know... Everyone's always, know, you know, like, I've never been to the British Museum without knowing, like, this is how, this is how we got the stuff. Mm. Yeah. Because, like, I think, otherwise, how is it a useful museum? Like, you can't just go, oh, it's called the British Museum, but it's full of stuff from other countries. So mm. there's got to be an explanation there somewhere, you know? Yeah. I mean, I went to the Brisbane Museum recently, and they, what they did, I don't think they had it, because I hadn't been since I was a kid. And I noticed they added, oh, you know, we apologise for the way we acquired some of these items in the past. Yeah. And I don't think they had that up when I was a kid, but I could be misremembering. No, they probably didn't. And yeah. the British Museum, I'm sure, has different notes now than it did yeah. then. But I'm just talking, like, even for a cartoonist to say it shows that, mm. like, it was part of the conversation in Britain. Not necessarily a mainstream part, but people, you know... Um, he goes to the anthropologist, which I liked. It's very, like, uh, a cult detective fiction trope, which uh, I guess this would have started a lot of tropes. Not that this was the first occult detective fiction, but no, it's, like, the first modern, it. one of the first modern ones, and, like, first visiting... First modern, very, very successful one as well. Yeah, just, like, visiting the anthropologist to get information on, like, some archaic thing. Well, I, I just like uh, it because, like, you know... We we take John as I mean John is an expert in many things, but like why wouldn't you want to get it double checked? Yeah, you know, like if you're gonna fly across to Africa, you don't want to yeah, go. you have like, to do your research. You don't want to go to Morocco instead of Sudan. You know, like uh, yeah. I should say South Sudan. Now it is actually a country. Um, <laughs> yes, you know you don't want to go to the wrong countries, and and there are experts who will tell you these things. So, yeah. You know, Nemoth, I think is how you pronounce it. I'm yes, going to guess the M is silent. I'm uh, pretty sure it is. But he, he figures out Sudan. He makes a call to Papa Midnight, who we'll talk about in a bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> lots to say about him. And, uh, yeah, he winds up in Sudan in this small village in a cool sequence of this shaman. And there's, like, this Very really... Cool sequence. Like, they're happy to talk to him almost immediately when he sort of shows his hand. This, this is... Yeah, because I guess, like... A, he kind of knew John was coming, and B, he knows John's like a... A magician, yeah. Yeah, no, they're all in the in the know, as it is. Uh... <laughs> yeah, and he has the picture that Lester drew of the yeah. the kid with all the um, markings. But yeah, it's it's a really cool double-page spread, which again, a little bit's cut off in the trade, so I didn't actually know their arms were crossing, and mm. like, exchanging blood, which is annoying, because um, I hate when trades That is off. annoying. But, I was uh, uh, I was reading it digitally, so yeah. So, but again, cool double page spread, and this is one where yeah, it's like you could read like the top first or the bottom or both, yeah. and it's like <laughs> yeah. both. The bottom is like the memory of the shaman, I think, and the top is kind of like what 
John's experiencing. So you can make sense of it. It just yeah. Yeah, it was it was interesting. It doesn't really matter how you read it. You're right, but I th- I had that sense of I don't know if I'm reading this right. Yeah, me too. Um, Especially when you don't see it as a double page spread, because uh, you don't get the full sense of like yeah. you read top bottom. You kind of upping down, up down. Yeah. yeah, it's annoying. But um, yeah, really really cool sequence is where he finds out he basically had. The demon like is a new newish demon from all like the starvation going on. It sort of, I think it sort of formed out of it. Was drawn to like all this this hunger that these people had in Sudan, and he sort of just chose one of the children to yeah because it, it it it's still one of the most uh, it's still one of the most famine uh, mm. risk areas in the world. Like they've had a famine. Or been on the verge of famine for years. Yeah, uh, it's horrific levels. And yeah, yeah, they basically pick a kid to trap the demon in. He and... cuts out the kid's tongue so he doesn't get cursed. To... It, it's it's really nasty. Yeah, he, I mean, he but... he says he doesn't like it. Like he doesn't enjoy it. No, and uh, like I mean, look, I mean, saying that I'm not. There's no implicit criticism in anyone else's culture that because like John as you will find out, is absolutely the kind of guy who would also do this. Well, this is also, like, demons are real <laughs> in this yeah, universe. Yeah, so, right, demons um, are real. This is the only way to get rid of them. And John absolutely makes that call, not only with Lester, but other times. Mm. Like, it, to save the world, to save any area, he will sacrifice people. Yeah. Uh, and that's what makes him different from uh, a number of actual superheroes or heroes in comics i mean he's still a hero like i wouldn't say he's an anti-hero even but he's willing to make these sacrifices yeah yeah uh i mean there's a whole debate there on the hero anti-hero thing but um but you know i i that that, that's my answer on on what he is yeah uh yeah I I don't I don't have like a full opinion on him yet. No, but, um, no, you'd have to read a lot more just to find out some of the things. You know, he's, done. <laughs> he's definitely. Uh, I guess like he's a hero, but it's how comfortable you are with like his methods of saving. Right. He's um, yeah, exactly. I have no. Obviously, he's grouchy and and he does sacrifice people and it's not doesn't save everyone. I mean, because that's what he does. He he puts himself in harm's way to save people so yeah it's just he'll often like essentially use other people as baseball bats to um yeah yeah you know i just i I think that we've become very used to saying people are anti-heroes or whatever and Mm. it's become this it's become a term that doesn't really mean anything like because they'll just be like oh you know dr doom's an anti-hero no he's not uh he's a villain who happens to sometimes do good things yeah Um, i think anti-heroes more of your Punisher and Deadpool, then. Right, right, um, and I think, and I, and I, th- I can see how John skims that line, but to me personally, I think he's a hero who just has methods that not everyone would approve of. Yeah. And I could see why some people would then call him an anti-hero, and I wouldn't sort of sit and argue with yeah. it in the. Pub. I guess, I guess, if if the man with no names technically an anti-hero, mm, anyway, it's uh, <laughs> he flies back. Uh, you know, there's uh, again lots of nice art, and he's sort of taking Gary to Papa Midnight. We meet Papa Midnight, who's great. Uh, yeah, he is great. He's kind of like this sort of 
I feel like he's a bit of a mirror to John in this mm-hmm. in these two issues because it's I think it's showing you like because John does some questionable things, but it's like this guy's much worse. I think you it's know. also I mean let's you have you have a few comparisons there you have like uh you know from different countries yeah. different um ethnicities and it's just showing that but they are they're both doing similar things but yeah there's different methodology there's different um there's different reasons why they're doing them his his he's purely selfish puffer midnight it seems he is it seems although he does help out uh, yeah but yeah yeah. But the, to persuade but, but him to he, help out, it's like, this will affect he does you. Seem, yeah, he does seem more like, oh, this is how I will get, you know, money and status and yeah. this, that and the other. But, you know, but he will help out where. Mm. Yeah, he's maybe also. He's also in the show. Yes, um, he is. But he was done pretty well in the show. Yeah, and I really love the voodoo stuff because it's gross. Uh, but like, it's just mm-hmm. cool. Like how he has like the skull of his sister and he's like talking to her. Um, you know, and it's just cool. Yeah, and he he has a great sort of chemistry with Constantine mm-hmm. as well. Um, but yeah, Puppet Midnight's Club, but he has, like, zombies fighting each other. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I like that kind of fight club with zombies. He has all these zombies, like, doing stuff for him. Yeah. John's like... very funny about it. He gets to, you know... Yeah. <laughs> gets to slap one around. What we're getting from Gary is that he's really pathetic. Yeah. Uh, he's, like, he really wants his heroin, and he's... You know, it's all he wants. A bit yeah. of... He's pathetic bit of a coward i guess uh mm-hmm. or cowardly i should say um and he's just yeah he... <laughs> and yeah so you know papa Midnight has a very cool hat and he's wearing like a suit with like a uh like a tribal skirt so it's like this he's got a very uh it's a very good look it's a striking um it's a, yeah outfit like visual style and yeah it, it is a very good look so you know we have john they're coming up with a plan and stuff but i want to pick up so he goes to emma's place and because this is where he used to live or this is where he, like he thinks gary might have sent the package so he goes to emma's place and this guy has sort of moved in and like he i guess he's sort of getting these this a bit like eerie this whole yeah yeah sequence and he's like drawing he's like painting her falling sort of from the window like that's how she dies she falls out a window due to uh Imbunchi or something and yeah yeah then her ghost shows up yeah and like just talks to him and stuff and yeah it's... just has a little chat so yeah, so fine. again, I thought I thought this was stuff that we were going to find out later, and I am I am disappointed it's not, because I am curious as to what happens. Like, what's this Invanchi? How did it kill all these people? Who are all these people? I mean, um, I don't know if we definitely won't. I don't right. remember. It's been a long time since I've read it. Yeah. Um, but it does. I would find it strange if we didn't get back to some of it. Yeah. I think you're right. Like knowing that because um, it sets up like a big sort of seemed like it was setting up like a mystery for me like it got me very intrigued uh 
yeah, no worries. But yeah, there we get a guy chowing down in a uh, <laughs> a butcher. Just, yeah, you know, which is gross as well. Yeah. But it's good. And like, yeah, this whole... Like the way this is doing ghosts, it's very mysterious. You know, like some ghosts talk to you, some ghosts seem to appear to certain people, and they look different sometimes, and... And there's like a sad air about it as well so yeah yeah I like the ghost though the way it was. but we go into a church and there's a priest trying to you know uh, Nemoth has gone to the church for some reason and he just looks like a giant fly mosquito thing at this point and <laughs> Uh, yeah, we, yeah, so, she appears in at least another couple of issues of Hellblazer. Okay, great. Do they, are they, do you know if they're soon, or does it not say? Uh, they're relatively soon. Okay. They are within, within your, the book that you've bought. Oh, interesting. Sweet. Yeah. Um. I think, I think I can say that without that spoilering it for you too much. Good. Uh, yeah, this church secret is good, and John, like, tries to fight it. And he, like, gets angry. Angry. He's like, yeah, no, I'm yeah. going to you. Um, I think this is a really sort of uh, very interesting thing about John Because, again, it's showing you that he'll do the fight. He'll do the fight. He's ready to fight. But when it comes to it, he's willing to say, no, I'll leave, I'll leave the priest to it. You well, know what I mean? Like, yeah. When, but when it makes sense, like, he has a, like, I'm not he doesn't do it out of cruelty. No. He does it out of self-preservation and understanding, like, when he's out like of the his, uh, image when of he's the... not good, he will, he will not mm. win, you know? The image of the priest's death kind of haunts him, even. Um, yeah, and... exactly. He's not like, uh, you know... So, yeah, he's not, he does, he's not heartless, um, and the thing is, so he's actually going to fight it, but Emma snaps him out of it. She's like, hey, you have to run or it's going to kill you. Like, you're not strong yeah. enough to do it. And he even says, like, Emma saved me. I would be dead without her. Um, yeah. And, you know, again, his anger was kind of feeding it as well because, you know, demon. Um, but he's also, I mean, he's just a very practical person. Like, for someone yeah. w working within the magical thing. It's like, if it's him or something else, he will pick someone else. And, uh, you know. Yeah. But I, you know, I like, I like this. It, it again encapsulates his character very quickly in what is the first issue of the run. Yeah, can you see me? <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> oh, sorry, I've... Every, everyone, like you should know something about Connor. He's wearing a Superman T-shirt. No, yeah. that's not what I was going to say. No, no, he I'm has a kitty. Waving my kitten around, um, which is <laughs> why I derailed derailed Rebecca momentarily. <laughs> Um, he's so cute yeah um so I can't even think about gross horror when you're showing me a kitten <laughs> yeah he's, he's he was just hanging around a bit um but yeah so that, that's where like the first issue ends is the church um and like the the priest sort of gets I think taken over by the demon well, not take over, like but it. like, yeah, sort of the same thing happens to him, yeah. to everyone else. He's about to eat. He's about to eat Jesus. So. Yeah. 
which is just funny. In, you know. Sorry us... if it's not funny, but it's funny to me. <laughs> it brings us to issue two, which is like the 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 first issue's forty pages, the rest are about like twenty twenty five pages roughly. I didn't count them, but I like it would be whatever was standard for the time. Yeah. And this is where we get the wrap up to this story. Yeah. And you know, he goes back to Papa. And, and I'm glad stuff. they gave it two issues because I mean it's smart sales, but also I think it needed it. It needed to oh, be a, a fairly lengthy one, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so the whole plan is like John is go like we we find this out later, but I think it's it was, I knew because I'd seen the episode of the show. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to use Gary as the vessel for the demon because the basically yeah. the idea is, um, you know the you put all these markings on the kid and then you draw the demon into it and the, they'll eventually yeah. kill each other. Like, they'll just eat yeah. each other, basically. And he's going to do that to Gary. And Gary is the number one candidate, I think, because, A, it's kind of Gary's fault. Because uh, he sort of... And because he's a total druggie. I mean, like, mm. uh, in the... He doesn't seem to be able to think about anything other than drugs. So he's not like... It's, it's going to be hard to rehabilitate him. I think so, yeah. but also he he unleashed the thing. Yeah, uh, but John's like feeling awful about it. The whole issue, uh, we get a lot. Yeah, of... he doesn't he doesn't do these things out of joy or like, mm. but he will make that practical choice. But he's uh, it's a very difficult choice for him to make, and we get a lot of descriptions about you know a cold hand wound deep in his gut when he thinks about it and stuff, and he even cries himself to sleep. <laughs> that night because all the ghosts visit him mm-hmm. um, and these are the people that died in Swamp Thing which will mm-hmm. pop up later as Rick said but uh, yeah, he wants them all to go away and they're, they're like the real creepy kind of ghosts like they're just they're just white standing there looking at him I just you love know. this issue it's also called A Feast of Friends yeah it's just oh it's I mean you know it's gonna happen and he tells them all, go away, good night. And then Emma tells him, good night. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, he cries himself to sleep on his leopard uh, bed. This yes. odd uh, hotel room. Yeah, it's actually... Oh, is he is he staying in Papa Midnight's place? That would actually make sense. Uh, Maybe. I mean, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, it's a big high-rise because it's got, like, the... Yeah, the really tribal... Decor. Yeah, it's got like um, a sort of a Zulu shield and yeah, or what I think is a Zulu shield. <laughs> um, what I grew up thinking is so. Mm. If it's not, I apologise. But you know, we we get a bit of the demon wreaking havoc, and we, again we get these really cool panels which are like through bug eyes. Yes, <laughs> which is uh, it's so clever, you know mm. that whole it's over New York and you see the priest there all desiccated yeah desiccated with the cross on him oh that guy's uh, eating action comics <laughs> yeah yeah he, that was my favourite one the guy eating expensive comics and Watchmen he's eating action comics oh Watchmen. well yeah I didn't even see that in mine um, yeah yeah I'm sure I it's laughed. there I just it's action comics one and, yeah uh, Watchmen one, so that's funny. Uh, the, yeah, the, one of the descriptions is he's eating his expensive collection of comics, and then you get to see it. And the guy who was eating jewels at the jewelry store, and then the priest, and then some guy eating his own fist. 
Yeah, it's like a bodybuilder. Oh, He's like nasty. shoving his hand in his mouth. It's uh nasty. Yeah. Bzz, bzz, bzz. <laughs> just the number of, of oh, lots of bugs in the sky. Um, I am the zombie wakes John up. That it's time, and obviously they're drawing. Uh, they're drawing Nemoth to Gary because they can use Gary to draw him because he's in withdrawal from heroin and he's locked up in yeah, the cell. Yeah, yeah, he's got he, that hunger, yeah. And they've, like, he's very scared, locked up in the cell. And he, so, you know, he's like a beacon, basically. Yeah. And they go on the roof. Uh, Papa Midnight's cool. I mean, he's a bad guy, but he's, like, I don't know, I just, I dig him. I dig his fashion sets and his voodoo. I just dig everything um, about it. I love the, <laughs> I like the zombies. Yeah. <laughs> the zombie coming to wake John is, like, one of my favourite things in the issue. <laughs> and he, the chair, <laughs> he has this executioner's chair, John's like, oh, bloody hell, nasty. where'd you get this? Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's like, only th- over 300 lives has sizzled on, to the, to extinction on that seat. It's powerful magic. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. Uh, like... Yeah, he's like, I thought you might appreciate the irony of John Girls. Well, I hope you know. Let's see if Gary appreciates it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, John keeps lying to him. He basically says yeah. the more he like begs, the easier it is to lie. Uh, and oh yeah, he's wearing his glasses too. To, yeah. You know. Disguise. He cried himself to sleep. <laughs> or, yeah, just can't see his facial yeah, expression. Yeah, he doesn't want to mm. oh. be obviously lying. Some nice chicken sacrifice, lovely. Uh, yeah, Zombies banging on drums. Uh, this all sounds stereotypical, but uh, Voodoo's gross. <laughs> if, if you, like, if you feel the need to look up Voodoo practices and stuff, it was really gross. So, you know look it up if you want, but, um, yeah. yeah, so it's a really cool shot of, like, the, the black blot near the sun, of just all these bugs. Yeah, and then it suddenly coalesces into a bug-shaped mm. girl, and you see it, like, bearing down on Gary, and, like, John looks a bit horrified, Gary looks terrified, and Papa Midnight's kind of smiling. <laughs> yeah, Gary, yeah, Gary realises what's happening. Yeah. And ugh, when all the bugs go into him, it's just nasty, and, it's and just he kind of swells horrible. up with bugs. And yeah, it it really like you know stresses like how horrible it is, and that you know, really no one deserves that no. <laughs> to happen to them. Um, and they make it like the most horrible thing possible, so John can feel as horrible as possible as well. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and. But, you know, they do it, they put the markings on his flesh and stuff, and, you know, John finally gives him a shot of heroin once he's got the straight jacket on him. Yeah. And we get the sequence where John's, like, outside, like, waiting for him to die as he's locked yeah. in the cell, and, like, he's just been screaming for six hours, it looks like. Because mm-hmm. uh, it, yeah. it, it's a clever way of telling the time, because it goes, on average, it takes four minutes to smoke a cigarette, a bottle of whiskey lasts two hours, but how bloody long can a man keep screaming? And it shows you, like three bottles of whiskey that are empty. Yeah. And yeah. many, many cigarettes. Yeah. Yeah. And the screaming finally stops. And he looks in, and he sees the ghosts of, like, the same ghosts, sort of, 
kneeling over him, and mm-hmm. the, the nun ghost is reading him a prayer. It's a really nice sort of panel, and then, you know, one of the ghosts is just giving him the finger. Yeah. <laughs> and he collapses. And John wakes up in a pool of his own vomit. Yeah, and they brick up the uh, the cell. Again, like I didn't say this at the start, but this is so worth reading. Like the yeah. we're skimming over all this really gorgeous, beautiful dialogue, all this horrific, yeah, yeah. nasty stuff. It is so worth reading. Um, just as a good comic, like so, go read it yourself. You know, but. Yeah, he sees the ghosts again, and he sees Gary walking towards them, um, and the end. Uh, So, I'm not sure it's, like, so, a theme with Hellblazer in general, is, like, guilt a major thing? I mean, yeah, he's a very, he carries a lot of guilt with him. Because the... the John is always guilty. The, The theme of those two issues, to me, just seemed to be guilt. Like, that seemed to be the main through line that I kind of saw. Yeah, you escape um, it a little bit once you get past Newcastle. Right. Uh, but it's a recurring theme for him, because, like, all the things he's doing is having to make these choices, and, you know, and it weighs on his soul, and mm. uh, it humanises him. Because, yeah. like, you know, like, if he was a true anti-hero, I think we would get the... Oh no, I'm doing this for the good of everyone. You know, it's fine. Yeah. But there, that's what brings him back is that like, and that's what makes him quite special is that he doesn't forget how horrible these mm. things are that he's doing. Like he he goes in with the full awareness of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's also like, especially at this point, like, uh, it's kind of, it's a bit, it's not quite as separate as Punisher Max. Mm-hmm. But it, it's it, it is like it is very separate from the rest of the world. Yeah. yeah, like he's in Swamp Things universe and Swamp Things in DC universe, but like John's not necessarily in the DC universe. Mm-hmm. It's a very like you know tangential, like comic booky thing. You know, uh, I think like you, only Swamp Thing exists. I think is like the idea. Uh, yeah. You know, because you don't have Batman or Superman showing up yet, anyway. But uh, yeah, those those first two issues were the strongest for me out of these four. But I enjoyed all of them. Mm. Um, but those first two issues, I was like, wow, that was that was really like a masterclass in like how to make a good comic, you know, and also how um, to how to have a a great sort of origin. Mm. It's like crazy, like you know how good the of an origin it is. Yeah, it's just you know, yeah, because it's, it's the first uh, two issues of this series, and it sets. Up I mean, the and, you know, admittedly, some people have seen him before in yeah, um, but a lot of people won't. But I didn't feel lost like until I found those no. those ghosts from something. I didn't feel lost. I was like, oh, and and is... that's that's a very you thing. Like I don't yes. think <laughs> you know, like because you are not a completist, but you like to read things in order. Yeah. Like, a lot of people will just skim over that and go, oh, yeah, maybe they'll get explained later in the run. Yeah. Um, whereas you went and found out where they're explained, and, and which is fine. That's not mm. a problem. Though I, I think I know as, as many people as you as I know as many people not like you on that, and it's just right. like, I, I worry that sometimes it gets in the way of you being able to just say, fine, I'm just going to carry on with Hellblazer. Yeah. To start to sit, oh, maybe I should read this first. And it's like, it won't hurt if you read it first, but I mm. think 
for the sake of a few ghosts that it's not enough to good ghosts yeah good ghosts not to matter too much yeah so you know but you do you it's, no, it I, won't hurt either way you know like i'll so. definitely finish this first volume regardless so yeah. i think i think um, yeah see how you feel after so now issue three the super british one yeah so we the the cover of the second issue by the way was like papa midnight the cover of the first one was yeah. john and this cover has like a demonic margaret thatcher and um yeah six 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 and john voting and... voting tory can damage your health you know and i saw this this again not to sound like a broken record but i could see how this and uh a couple of other things definitely influence supernatural with the way it portrays demons mm. as these sort of people in suits that have this and it's like very black humor you know these like yuppie demons and these businessmen demons and that's obviously very uh, much a thing in supernatural as well so uh, yeah, issue three is much more comical <laughs> than one and two. It's yeah, qu- uh, uh, I would say lighthearted. Like there's... I think it's a nice, it's a nice little break from, and it it shows you the range of the character as well. I would say there's like uh, yuppies making deals with the Mammon Industries, and yeah. So and this is really putting where Britain was in the eighties. Like so yeah. you have the sort of the start of Thatcherism. The yuppies were everywhere everywhere everyone was like oh just go make all this money and it's where things started to like there weren't enough jobs for everyone and there's massive divide so yeah and mammon is uh you know the obviously demon of uh wealth yeah. right yeah it, it's generally i think around medieval times it was like regarded as the demon of wealth and it's sort of like that now but it was also used in the bible a lot as you know mammon means riches but like in a bad way yeah uh, so, yeah, but in this Mammon, it's, yeah, a demon of wealth, and these yuppies are making deal with a company called Mammon, uh, which yeah. is a bunch of demons uh, disguising themselves as yuppies. <laughs> yeah, which is just funny. And, like, when they can't pay, they just, like, start eating them and burning them and stuff and killing them like demons do. Uh, and, yeah, there's a lot of stuff about the election. There's a lot, because the election was... Uh, yeah, so like, well, the one Thatcher got in in was seventy nine. Uh, so this is for her third term. Yeah, the election for her third term. Um, yeah, but like all the newspaper headlines are very evocative of the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, loony left, the conservative slogans. This is like as much of a uh, party political broadcast for saying why you shouldn't have voted Tory. Mm. Like, like you know. Uh, even, as you uh, can get in comics, probably. <laughs> I just kind of like it now. They even say at one point, like, oh, you know, there's not even any point voting for Labour or the other side, because yeah. it's just as useless. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, which is very much how a lot of people feel here a couple of years so ago. That's how a lot um, of people feel here now. Um, yeah. There's a certain amount of anger still, but... Mm. Um, yeah, but this is all where... So, like, even where they're making comments about return to Victorian values, one of the big mm. campaign slogans was returning to British values, um, which Britain were clearly... Yeah. Essentially make Britain great again, but it was, like, uh, you know, of prioritising... It was not quite... It was, like... It was more like prioritising the family. Mm. So it was very kind of... Because um, 
at the cusp because we have AIDS. It was all like, oh, you know, one man, one woman, two children, perfect family kind of values. Yeah. Um. Uh, and yeah, so it was it was that kind of thing as opposed to make Britain great again because a lot of British people don't think it's ever not been great. Yeah. Uh, at, at the time, I think now we, you know, with Brexit, it's it's a, it's, it's a little bit different. Mm. But uh, but just that massive uh difference of um the aids crisis going on massive poverty uh and then these yuppies which was was a new class of people essentially because the stock exchange was doing so well that all these internet companies startups or you know new media startups and people just bragging about how much money i think it was the first time people bragged about how much money they had right and that was seen as a a good thing in some circles like oh i just wasted a thousand pounds on the bottle of wine Mm. whereas before it was more like that wasn't a classy thing to do yeah in the 80s in the 80s it became a big like this sort of uh people who've become newly rich well it's it's like that a bit Uh, in america too with stuff like american psycho and wolf of wall street right and Uh, and exactly they're exactly the sort of things you see but the differences in america is because they never had the same sense of the same class structure as we have in England. Right. Like, so in America, a lot of it is based on how much money you have, uh, what class they consider you. Here, it's very much like, well, upper class, you have to be lord, lady, right. knighthood. You know, everyone else is kind of upper, middle, lower, middle class, and then working classes, the people who could never escape that. Yeah. Like, you know, the people who've been coal miners for generations and stuff. And uh, I don't know, I, a lot of Americans I know, and I'm sorry to any Americans if I'm getting this wrong, but a lot of Americans I know uh, feel you can move between classes more. Uh, you know, mm. I've seen people who I would say have enough money to I would consider the middle class, say they're working class. Right. Um, whereas it just it was a much more rigid understanding of it here. Like, you know, like I'm I'm middle class. I've never been anything other than middle class, even when we had zero money. Yeah. Like and, and there was a good period of my life. We had no money at all. Uh, we were still middle class because our parents still went to, had gone to university. Um, and, and it's not saying you can't move out of the class structure in England. It's just much more rigid. <laughs> like, you know, obviously people could be made lords and ladies and be. But it's not quite the same. So, um, yeah, the yuppies were this kind of. Uh middle class who suddenly got extremely wealthy right and and it was kind of seen that they were a little bit classless not yeah. not in terms of their class but it was just like they were doing things that people who genuinely had been born into money wouldn't, wouldn't do. do yeah because it was it was rude to talk about how much money you had and they would go into pubs and go oh look how much money we've got how so rude. it was a new type of person in my life that like uh and and like you know comedians would satirize them and um and it just became this big thing so like that's that's that kind of world that you're sort of going into like we were all understand the kind of difference between people who've got money and and yeah don't um but this was this world where the people who had money started bragging about it right uh so it became a hated class of people. Like yeah. before, it was just like they've got money and we don't. And not that that's that's the way of the world, but there was always going to be people who have more money than me. This was like, no, we hate yuppies. Right. Like, you know, 
Uh, if you ever wanted to know what it stands for, it's young, upwardly mobile person. So that's why they kind of, they they kind of find it funny that yuppies are just getting killed off. Yeah, um, no one would care. Everyone yeah. would just be like, yeah, whatever. I love uh, I love this guy, Lethoxy, mm. Lord of Flatulence. <laughs> He's great. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I was a little bit confused with like what exactly the demons were doing and how John solve the problem but i guess we'll get to that but this yeah this black foxy guy is great he's like a he's religious about finance like it, he worships mammon you know his yeah. boss so he's like this is this is a crusade for him just uh i think they're like, yeah yeah they're manipulating the market and they want the tories to win yeah um like i'm not sure what they're manipulating the market has to do with a lot of things uh, <laughs> i was like a little bit lost but i followed a, I followed it along roughly enough i'm like well whatever they're doing is bad and they don't want the tories to win so i guess i need that much um yeah yeah but yeah i don't think it really matters it's like they're, well, yeah, you I... know like because nobody really understands fully but yeah they're, so they're, they are trying to manipulate the market yeah um and he's just very he's very large and smug he's very like he's great decadent. he's like uh, <laughs> totally decadent get it yeah you know and i love i love like the yuppie demon's house and they have like a little little demon dragony thing and they're playing this you know john's investigating and he hears this awful noise and they're playing a cd called tears of atlantis reawaken the desiccated souls of hiroshima it's <laughs> 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 <was> like what <laughs> <laughs> It's just such a funny name. Yeah. Oh, they even have, like, a little dog or, like, a little cat or something. Yeah, that's what I'm it's saying. Like... I love it. It's, it's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> it's got, like, wings. Um... Yeah, so... It's funny. They they hang out at this bar where John follows them, and it's like, uh... Oh, there's a dead cat on the way. Which will I didn't like that. Later. didn't like that. Um... But, yeah. If it was a dog... I did like... He said it it's more. usually... Oh. <laughs> uh, I don't like seeing dead pets. Um, but they, at least he says that's usually a bad sign. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. I thought, I thought, I don't either, but I thought, well, given that they're demons, it's sort of... Yeah, you know, right. I mean, it's not like, oh, it wouldn't make me slam the comic shut, but it's always going to make me feel a little bit more uncomfortable. And they go to a bar called The Pits. Yeah. And it's downstairs and John slips and falls down the stairs. Which um, is just funny. Yeah. And he doesn't. He doesn't seem to click that they're demons for a while. Um, but one of my favorite little touches is that they're all talking about business. And he's, they're saying yeah. stuff like he'd already paid an arm and a leg, and it's clear yeah, that they're yeah. being literal here. But John hasn't picked up yeah. on it. But my favorite touch is when he says, uh, "My eyes turn into the weird lighting, and I realize the lampshade has a tattoo." Yeah, uh, that was like that was really cool. I thought it's such you know, a great revelation of like how awful these demons are yeah you know and he t he orders a drink and he tastes it and he goes jesus christ that's awful and all the demons are like what some would say the <laughs> jc word like they're all you know <laughs> yeah i feel like i just swore in church <laughs> yeah but he still think i think he still thinks at this point they're all coked up satanists uh um, yeah yeah and then because I think uh, my girlfriend disagreed because she read it too and um, thought 
she thought he realized there were demons earlier i'm not sure like yeah i don't think he did yeah i think he i think he thought there were satanists with maybe a couple of demons in there or something you know of course they blow her head up and i think that's when he clicks in this this lady comes in who's like oh i can't pay off my things and they're like oh well mammon has to foreclose and they blow her head off and that's when he's like okay (laughs) yeah yeah, well, to be fair, the next panel says it. It mm. takes me a couple of seconds to recognise the smell of brimstone, then the truth kicks me straight through the window. Yeah, I might, I might be misparaphrasing her. I apologise if I am. Um, no, no, no. But uh, no, but I mean, that's, that's when he definitely yeah. realises that they're de- they're demon yuppies, soul brokers from hell. <laughs> like, it's it's so bloody mad. It all makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. You uh, run to a church to yeah. uh try to skate them and they're all chasing him uh they look the artwork's really great uh yeah i love it again and he's so he's gonna summon blethoxy yes he's got like this sword and stuff which is pretty cool i love that he's just yeah here's my sword let's just do it and he talks about um you know he's not gonna usually you sacrifice cats but he's not going to bother and he says all that stuff is about like with all the rotten corpses about to impress the marks you know to impress Mm. the demons you're summoning so it's funny he doesn't do that so blithoxy sends his like butler yeah the butler goes you know should have used the cats (laughs) he commands me to inform you that your ritual was incompetent and insulting you should have used the cats (laughs) so he's like if you wish to petition him you actually you have to actually go with him so he goes into hell uh, <laughs> like and you know it's a he, he's walking down these steps of like wailing heads and he's like it's a disconcerting yeah, experience nasty. walking on a surface that wails and crunches softly underfoot but you can't, like keep, apologizing. You can't keep apologizing yeah. <laughs> yeah. and he does say he's bested with foxy once before so yeah it's very it's very campy and fun like would you care for a plague towel uh you know, and I'll rough it. <laughs> he's yeah, so he's like uh, again. Bethoxy is funny, and he's like blust Bethoxy. He's like, I want to sell my soul. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's like, wait a minute, why do you want to sell your soul? What inside knowledge do you have? Yeah. He's so like, he's like, he he does it as if he's an inside trading. Yeah, it's great. So you think the left wing is gonna win? And the, the UK soul market's going to crash. And that was his bluff. And then Belial yep. was there. Uh, I, was, I was a bit lost here. Sell all immediately. <laughs> move it into Catholics or Muslims. And I was like, wait, so what? They have stocks? So, uh, I was so lost. I was like, what I is... mean, I'm guessing that they're trying to sort of mimic stock market talk right. with, with souls and hell. And like, no, I don't think... Uh, Jamie Delano's literally mapped mm. out um, how this would work. Yeah. Uh, but he it comes out of a portal to hell into the demons waiting in his apartment. Yeah. And they they melt his sword into a dollar sign when he threatens them with it. Which is great. And... So they capture him. He's upside down watching Margaret Thatcher and all the demons. Like, isn't she marvellous? Uh, yeah, we love her. She's the best. Uh, yeah. And this is where I got really confused. Mm. So the waiter comes in, 
gets his head knocked off, and then he picks it up and turns into Blue Foxy. Let me see. The waiter comes in. Yeah, the demon knocks his head off. Yeah. Well, I think maybe Blathoxy's just inhabiting the dead to come over. I don't know. You're right, it is a bit confusing, that. And then this is confusing as well. He's like, you know, the soul market's going to crash, the stock's worthless. And then he spits out paper at them, and they're like, you know, getting sucked into the paper, which is all funny. Uh, but yeah. I'm like... Because John bluffed, the stock's actually worthless now, or I was... Yeah, well, I mean, that's pretty much how the stock market works. It, oh. It's like, uh, because it's all, like, pretend money. I mean, like, you're betting on values of companies and stuff like that. And if, if somebody, like, uh, do you remember when they did the GameStop thing? No. So GameStop, so GameStop was worth almost nothing. And then a bunch of people were like, huh, what if we just, like, inflated it? And they just kept buying it. And then everyone's like, oh, what's going on? Maybe we should buy it as well. And then they said, oh, people are manipulating the stock price. We should buy it and we'll make some money off it. So the, the, the price got massively inflated. And the stock market just works on rumors and vibes. Right. And reality, depending on, like, there's a mix of the three. <laughs> so so John, John bluffing to this guy can actually crash the value, I guess, if he thinks it's real. So Yeah, yeah. If uh... enough people think it's real or think other people will think it's real, then, you know, because that's, that's what you're betting on, is not just what's actually happening, but what other people might think's happening. And you want to get your money out before it crashes, or your, you know, yeah. your stake, I should say. Um, okay, I'm caught up now. And then, so, Blifoxy leaves, and he's like, I'm going to wear your soul one day as a buttonhole. And uh, <laughs> Margaret Thatcher wins the election, and there's more than one road to hell. The end. Uh, yes. So that that was good. Um, I, liked I liked it. It was overtly political, but like it was in a way where I think um, I don't know when things are overtly political now. I perceive them as like being about dumb things. This is about actual real problems. So I didn't mind it being overtly political. Um, but obviously you don't want every issue to be like it because then it turns no up. and you can't it would become then it becomes its own political yeah. party broadcast yeah um but i like that it doesn't shy away from it like a lot of comics do mm. um and that constantine is i mean this does it in a very humorous way yeah but i like generally that Const it makes me feel like constantine is in the same world as me yeah in a way that you know, Superman and Batman never will feel and aren't supposed to because that's why we have Metropolis and Gotham as sort of like we don't have proper city names. But let's say uh, Iron Man and Captain America, like, you know, they're hanging out in New York. Uh, Iron Fist, I should say. Let's do it. Let's do it with the character we, we deal with. Um, but like that doesn't feel like real New York because but John feels like he could be in London. Yeah. So uh, and and that's part of it. And I think, you know, strip out the strip out politics and you. You lose that if your character can't be political. But you're right, you don't want it to be every issue. And I like the way that this way it's done, like, with humour. Yeah. Um, I guess it informs uh, us a little about John's character as well. You get uh, to see him standing up to some, like... So, I, I guess what I'd say is, in issue one and two, you get to see him willing to sacrifice other people. Uh, in issue in that issue you get to see him put himself on the line a little bit yeah because you know if it had gone wrong 
he could have got like just killed. Yeah. But and he's was... willing to go and he's willing to go and do and do that bluffing with demons. It was for yuppies as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, stopping them killing yuppies, but also stopping them from like manipulating, I guess, the market. Just, but yeah. yeah. Demons are bad. It's not good when they're running around doing things. Uh, but yeah, so that brings us to issue four, which is, I guess, the sort of spotlight, as it were, um, the the re- initial requested one, again, with a really nice cover, um, and yeah, this was, like, partially adapted into the show, like, they, they took the aspect of the girl being abducted and that whole thing, but they got rid of the fact that John was related to her, I believe, and it was almost... Like, it was the series finale, actually. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a girl called Gemma. Uh, her parents have recently moved out into this, like, kind of compound sort of thing with these uh, this god squad. Yeah, your, your classic sort of fundamentalist cult. And... Uh, you know, I thought, uh, I thought they were going to be the bad guys, but they were, but they might come back later. Um, but they're yeah. sort of just there in this issue, the the Resurrection Crusaders. Yeah, I don't remember if they come back. And we see John hustling Poole uh, with some yep. <laughs> u- some use of magic, uh, which is yeah. seems to be one way he gets his money. And he also gets Chaz to place a bet, which had 40 to 1 odds, uh, <laughs> on a horse. Again, he seemed to have used some magic <laughs> yeah. to win that bet. And he won't buy Jack. He needs a bit of money if he's going to keep flying to Sudan. I missed this too. Uh, when when John walks off and says, Chaz, buy yourself a drink. Mm. I didn't realise that John had rigged the machine to pour out all those coins. Because <laughs> the middle was cut off a bit. So You're a lucky bleeder. Uh, mm. British boys kill packies. Yeah. Not nice. A little bit of a... But then John sprays one of them in the face, which is funny. Yeah. And this is a weird opening page. We meet Zed. Yeah. Who I know from the show. Yeah. And prefer in the comics so far. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And she's sprayed this weird painting that almost... This weird spray painting that almost looks like the cover of a comic. Yeah, it's great. I mean, yeah, it's got the title of the comic. Yeah. It's it's done very well. It's a very clever bit of comic-y art. Mm. It's this big looming man over this little yeah. girl. And we actually see this later in the issue. Mm-hmm. So, it's uh, definitely almost prophetic. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, so I meet Zed and it's kind of that thing where it's like, oh, I was, she was kind of waiting for him. And he's like, yeah. yep, you know, that seems about right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So this this little girl Gemma is approached by three girls just hanging out. Yeah. And they who don't seem at all creepy. Well, they don't. Because uh, in the TV show, I'm pretty sure they're all wearing like dresses or something. I think it was a bit more creepy. Yeah. In... I mean, they don't seem creepy, but it is a little. They they I don't know. They feel a little bit like they might beat her up. As in, yeah. As opposed, you know, like it's a bit more like, oh hi, what are you doing here? <laughs> But I, I I prefer to the show in the sense that it's not so obvious immediately yeah, yeah. that they're like ghosts or something. Spoiler. Um, well, and... it's certainly not ob- obvious at all. Yeah, it's more like they are just uh, girls a bit older than her. Yeah. 
who are hanging out together. Yeah, and since Gemma's feeling so, like, lonely and isolated, and they're like, oh, we're married, and we can do whatever <laughs> we want. And she's like, oh, you're too young, but that sounds pretty cool, being able to do what you want, live in a great house. <laughs> so, of course, she's, like, 12 or something, so she goes with them and to look at their house. And Zed and John are eating Chinese, and Zed's like, you know, it's cool dialogue between them. Again, just, just read it. Uh, and, you know... It is cool dialogue. Uh, they, you know, she's obviously needs friends and is struggling with parental stuff, and they're there for her. Oh, I thought you talked about Zed for a second. I no, was like, no, oh, friends. Sorry. Yeah, I'm back to, I'm back to Zed. You know, that is a cool chat. Uh, where they're basically like, gonna... she's, she's very knowing and she's not taking any shit from him. And John is just ready to get busy. They're like, "Yep, let's go somewhere," because um, you know, yeah. <laughs> But they go to this house that's not creepy at all. <laughs> <laughs> and the inside in the house is really dirty and stuff. And then and we get... like, nah, he likes it like that. It's fine. We get the first creepy shot of the three girls behind her. And I really loved the artwork in this issue. Like, just the way that they make these girls ghostly in the background and some of the things they do mm-hmm. with the colours and the inks is... It's very clever on colouring, I think. Also, the earlier on when she's on the swing, the panels mimicking the position of the swing, yeah, and then her yeah. getting startled, I just thought was a really nice touch. It's very um, clever. But yeah, and I guess this is the point where if I didn't see the show, like I would have figured it out. This is where, um, oh, this is my wedding ring. It only hurts mm-hmm. for a moment, then it's really nice, and there's like a mark yeah, on their throat. Yeah, that's like. Yeah, it, that's nasty. That's so it's like, like uh, okay, they're dead. Uh, they're dead, yeah. Um, so they're at Zed's place, which is like this sort of... We don't really see what it is, but it's like this really good view. She gets it for free, so I think she's like squatting. Probably. <laughs> um, and she's like, paints all these people that she sees on the street, and there's a painting of him, and he goes, Struth. Uh, <laughs> Which is like, yeah, they're about to get it on, and then John hears on the radio four children have disappeared in the city this month, and Gemma Masters failed to return home. And he's like, oh, that's my sister's kid. I knew this was too good to be true, just meeting you here. Obviously, it was all pointing to this. Because yeah. I guess John's run into these situations before where there's some weird, like, fate thing going on. Um, but I was surprised that, oh, John has a sister, and he's yeah, actually on good terms with her. Yeah, yeah. Like, there was no, she wasn't like, oh my god, it's you, you, you know, prick. Yeah, it yeah. was just... Um, yeah, exactly, I think it's quite nice that, uh, you get to see he's got a bit of family, um, I just like the to Zed, we've got to get to Liverpool straight away. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, I guess she's in the know as well. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. But it's just like that, that. There's a limited number of people who would probably do that for anyone. Yeah. Like, and she's like, yeah, let's do it. Let's drive. I like the weird pyramid of prayer painting in the background. Mm-hmm. It's like thousands of your fellow crusaders are linked in the pyramid of prayer. <laughs> <laughs> and... Yeah, they kind of imply that... Yeah, that's that. just very strange. 
They're kind of... I mean, yeah, these guys are obviously sus, I think. Um, but they, they imply that, like, Gemma is a sinner, which is why she's been abducted, which John's sister doesn't like. Yeah. Cheryl. That's because she's a kid, you know? And uh, his, her husband's missing a bit of chutzpah. Uh, part of my French, you know, he's... He's letting everyone walk all over him. Uh, don't yeah. talk to Elder Martin like that. Uh, but, yeah, they they take Chaz's cab, and he keeps saying Chaz owes me a favour. <laughs> and he's like, he's collected more than once by this point. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. I don't think Chaz does owe you a favour, but yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, we get, like, a little bit of backstory for the family, and then we're going back to Gemma. And they put this creepy dress on her, this creepy wedding dress, and she looks like a ghost yeah. now, which I thought was a really awesome uh, panel. Yeah, yeah. When she looks, it'll be the coming mirror. for you soon. Don't worry. Yeah. It's kind of creepy. Yeah, you know, they made up with the sister. The sister's glad to see him. Use a spell to find her. It's pretty straightforward. But yeah, yeah. again, like this stuff in the house is just so many great shots. So many mm. great creepy shots. Her sitting in that chair with the three of yeah. them surrounding her. It's uh, it's just it feels so ominous. Yeah. And even when she's getting dressed, you get that sense of like there's literally there's no chest on her at all. It's very she's like yeah. really obviously a child child like they're not there's no weird like trying to and they are as well they're all. The the, th- the other three girls, even though they're older, are completely flat chested. There's yeah. there's no sort of sexualization at all, which is mm. I think very encouraging considering what you know the theme of the comic. Yeah, we're not in. It's uh, like it's creepy enough without you know. You know some writers who would do it. Uh, I know, especially for the older kids, not for for Gemma, but mm. yeah, but like there's literally. Like, if it wasn't for their hairstyles and the way they're talking, they wouldn't necessarily even be female. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's no... They're, they're wearing jeans most of the time. Yeah. There's None of them have chests. There's like, they, I mean, they are clearly girls. Yeah. But there's... And I, I think that, that shows an understanding of, of how... Where you, where you can go with this kind of story. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't need that. Yeah. To to in fact it helps it if they're hmm. pretty sexless. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, because it shows how young they are. And um, the person who requested this said it was a bit like True Detective season one, and I can definitely yeah, definitely, definitely get that vibe from it. Yeah, like uh, the the creepy poses and yeah. especially with the dress and like the and that whole sense of ritual and shady, talking yeah. about is he. Uh, like the actual revelation, the time it takes for us to get the revelation is mm. very like uh, how that unwinds. But and, and the other reason I like this is, and and I think why this one is why it was really good to read all four of them is this one you do get to see where John's like where he will just drop everything for family. Yeah, and you, you know like so you, from what you've seen in the previous two, you might. Like that, like when you said right at the beginning that it was like almost surprising that he's got a sister and he's gone good terms with her. It's because exactly from the other issues we've read, you wouldn't get mm. that. But he literally drops everything for his yeah. niece, and like, and 
he's gone good enough terms with his sister. Yeah. You know, to, to do that, like, clearly her husband is not going to help things. Mm. But, like, and she's on good enough terms to let him go straight up to the kid's bedroom and take whatever he needs and, you know. Yeah. That panel where she says yes and her face is, like, the eyes are just black. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, really awesome work by the artist John Ridgway, I think. Um, so good. Yeah. And they find But it's the also house... like, I like how it says things like, it's what she's supposed to say. So even then, mm. she's having doubts. But by then, she's kind of got, she realizes she's kind of got herself into more than she can real do with. Yeah. And yeah, the, the, they find the house, like, they pay a kid to take them. Um, and they've yeah. got this weird, like, ritual going on, the, you know, what a master of the sperm. Guardian of the sperm souls, protector of the damned, we supplements Prasichi. So he's doing some weird sacrificial thing. Yeah. And he starts to... Uh, he's got like a... What is that? Like a... What head is that? What What's that animal? Uh, I would say it's supposed to be... A ram? Right. Because it looks a bit like a deer head with ram horns. Yeah, I think, yeah, it does look a bit, it looks a little bit like a moose, actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, it does look a bit like a deer with, with ram horns. So maybe it's a mix, but yeah, I charitably, I would say ram. Yeah. And he starts to, uh, we see him, like, get the rope ready. And then John and Zed find the bodies the three bodies of the yeah. other girls in the bed where she slept, I think. Yeah. So, you know, very, very creepy. And they're both, uh, you know, And horrified. it's also the way he says they've been there far too long. It's, it's uh, going back to the writing. So that isn't poetic as such, mm. but it encapsulates so much in just that little, Yeah. you know, like, they're not just just dead. They've been there a long time. The smell's disgusting. Mm. You know, Zed's gone white. Uh, neither of us can speak. You know, like... Yeah. So this is very far removed from some of that really flowery language in the first issue, but it's the same skill of getting across the horror. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, luckily, John gets there in time as, as Gemma's being choked. Uh, to the guy who's a big bastard, uh, throws yeah. a plate <laughs> at his head, yeah. and starts to beat the crap out of him. And John's like, "Oh, this is a stupid way to die." <laughs> yeah. uh, but Zed comes up behind him with a bottle, yeah. and smacks it over his head, and kicks him. And uh, yeah, they manage to get Gemma out. She's not dead. She just she also smashes the bottle in his face. Yes. Yeah. Uh, while John's sort of waxing poetical about women fighting and how great it is to watch. <laughs> In terms of the fact they don't hold their punches, they really go for it. Um, yeah, yeah. Case in point, when yeah. she smashed the bottle in his face. Yeah, uh, yeah. But they, um... Yeah, they take her out. Oh, wait, though, they see Damnation Army, which might be, like, a bit of a plot thread yeah. uh, for later. But uh, they they said Zed says she saw it on a wall when someone burned a tramp at the other end of the alley. Yeah, it looks like this might be a reason that him and Zed met as well. Yep. And uh, so they bring Gemma to his sister, and they've bought a lynch mob the church. 
Yeah. It's like stand aside conjurer and we're know, the agents of divine retribution. <laughs> and John's like, "Yep, I'm out of here." <laughs> <laughs> it's an unwise man who gets between the lynch mob and their quarry. I'm no masochist. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it looks like they burn the house before the cops get there, and I'm assuming they kill the uh, guy as well. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm sure. who knows? But you know, and then you get to John in the bar saying hectic first date. Yeah. And, yeah, so uh, him and Zed are at John's, Get it on. I think. Yes, they do, off-screen, thankfully. Um, and not that I'm a square, but, like, waste of page space, you know, so... Pretty um, much waste of page I mean, like, honestly, yes, waste of page space. But, um... You see as much as you need to see. Yeah. You see them kiss, you see her naked... Well, you see her naked in a mirror, and you see him, you know... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he... He's like, oh, yeah, those gods' warriors are sure crazy. You ever run into them before? And she's like, nah. And he goes, yeah, she's lying. And, yeah. you know, yeah, we'll find out more. This will be fun, yeah. He goes, I look forward to finding out more. But, yeah, um, great issues. Again, the first two are my favourite, but, uh, yeah, the fourth issue, very creepy. Um, yeah, really creepy. It's like a sort of, almost like a... You know, the, the Gemma sequences are almost just like a creepy little ghost story, you know? Yeah, I just love how, what a sense they give of the different sides of Constantine. Mm. Yes. You know, yeah, like, they, they all, it, and it feels very episodic, right? You feel like you're yeah. watching something, like, supernatural, like, it's all the same character, but these mm. are the different things they do. And uh, it's just, it's a real masterclass in, in comics. Like, I don't know anyone who's read it and not wanted to keep going. Yeah, I mean, um, and I think it's why it's so beloved is that, you know, like, I mean, if you if you don't mind horror and uh, this is about the level yeah. of horror I can deal with, you know, like, so you're going to know straight away if it's for you or not. But within that context, there's a, a wide range of some of them will be funny. Some of them will be touching. Some of them will be just gross horror. You know, yeah. I like that kind of uh, mix. Yeah, no, it's. It's good, yeah, each issue was a bit different and showed different aspects of John's character as well. Like, the first, it's, it's interesting how the first issue, the first two issues were so dark and bleak, mm-hmm. like, and that's how they started the series off. That's, like, that's the tone they wanted to set for this mm-hmm. series. So, you know, the, even this one was kind of light in comparison to the first two in terms of, like, you know... Yeah, because it had light moments, many more light moments, uh, and there is something about stepping up for your family that is... Um... And, like, they win. Like, he's able to save Gemma. Yeah. You know, without anyone having to die or be sacrificed or anything. Well, I guess... Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, well, I guess maybe the, the uh, cultist or whatever died. Well, I mean, but... to be fair, he's always going to die. Yeah. Like, or you hope he's going to die, or he's not mm. going to die and be caught later on. But, like, you know, those are the characters that no one really cares about. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, big fan. Really enjoyed it. Can't wait to read more. Uh, thank you, my friend, for suggesting this. I finally got to read some Hellblazer. I hope you enjoyed our coverage. Very sorry for the wait. Uh, yes. It took a lot to get us together. A lot. Yes, so... It's not been that easy. Life thing. But, you know, I hope we made Mm. it up by doing the extra issues and stuff. Yeah. 
Um, and yeah, also this will have been three to four weeks after the last episode. Sorry, life got in the way, so but should be back to a regular schedule now. And I'm not sure what the next episode is going to be yet. Something with Superman. Yes, it will be something with Superman. And uh, thanks again, Rebecca, for joining me for this bonus episode. And, uh, it was uh, a joy to to witness your beginning of, of Hellblazer. I hope you know have many, many fun years of, of catching up and reading it. Yes. And for everyone else who is already a fan, highly recommend Sysburia's run, uh, which I think is probably one of the first since, you know, the big long run that really capture okay. Constantine. So I just think it's nice that there's a modern run that really, like, I think gets it. So not the Tom Taylor one, the Sysburia one. Ooh, he did one. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, I've never cancelled a comic fast. <laughs> I do not want to read him writing a Brit, but I, I do genuinely. I mean, and there's been very good non-Brit. There have been good runs written by non-Brits, but I think like uh, Sysburia, who I'm a bit up and down with as well, but I think his run with Aaron Campbell is an incredible twelve issues, um, which really and reading the first four issues again. Reminds me how much I think it calls back to some of the, the sort of great stuff about Hellblazer. It's very British, very political again. We have more stuff about Tories and Brexit, but there's also some really, really gross stuff going on, which, uh, All right. one of which actually made me gasp, I think. So, you know. You'll have to send me the name in the show notes of the Yes, writer. I think um, it's, I, uh, yeah, I will do. I will do. Cool. Well, until next time, uh, smoking is bad. Yeah. <laughs> Peace. Superman and all other characters in these comics are properties of DC. Any images or music we use are properties of their respective copyright holders. We are doing this for fun and not making money off it, so please don't sue us. You can contact us at lskpodcast at gmail.com and find us on our Libsyn, lskpodcast.libsyn.com. Our Twitter, at lskpodcast. Our Facebook page, Last Sons of Krypton, a Superman podcast. And last but not least, thank you everyone for listening.